Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tai here. I am a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. I'm EMDR certified and a Reiki Level 2 practitioner. You can find me through my website at nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. You can find this show on iTunes on Google Play, on YouTube, and if you want to be a guest or advertise on this show, please reach out to me. My intention for starting this show earlier in 2016 is to bring you interviews with practitioners of various disciplines because to me, therapy encompasses more than just sitting on my couch or someone else's couch and telling me about your issues. That is such an important component of therapy. But I think since our lives are so multidimensional and there's so many aspects that we need to be mindful of to, to feel happy and whole and be productive, you know, I, I bring you guests of all arenas of life and in various professions. I'm really excited about my guest today because she's a powerhouse of a woman. And to exemplify that, I want to tell you who recommends her. So Jack Canfield, author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, recommends her, as does Bob Proctor, who's an author who is featured in The Secret, and Dr. John Gray, the New York Times bestselling author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, recommend her. She is the leading authority on buying and selling businesses. She's been featured with Arnold Schwarzenegger, the former governor of my great state of California, where I am today. Also, Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York. Kathy Ireland, Eric Trump, Stedman Graham. She has been featured on ABC, NBC, MSNBC, Forbes, Fox Business, and she's a radio show host, as well as a best-selling author on Amazon.com for her book, Think and Grow Rich Today, and Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth. Michelle, please come on the air, and it is my honor to have you on today. Thank you, Lisa, and it's an absolute pleasure to be here, and that's quite the intro. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You have been a busy woman. <laughs> I, I have, and when I was listening to that intro, I was thinking to myself, gosh, I forgot about all that. I forgot about Dr. John Gray. I forgot about yes. some of those guys. How did you? But, yeah, I have been busy. I like to stay busy. You have been. How did you get your start and, and you know, get to where you are? today in your work and life? Well, you know, I'm, everybody always asks me that question, and I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I've owned different types of businesses, and at any given time, I will own anywhere between five to 25 companies, and I currently own seven. Okay. And even when I was working at Xerox, you know, in my book, I talk about my past and, and working at Xerox 
corporation. I was hired as a salesperson, and within six months, I was promoted to regional manager, managing 80 unruly salespeople, which is more like managing a daycare (laughs) than it is a business. And I just kind of had a burning desire to to get back into entrepreneurship because I I had owned a wedding event company and a wedding magazine. And I approached a franchise that, that had two locations and and wanted to buy one of their franchises, and they actually came back to me with an offer of partnering with them and um, helping grow their business. And, of course, I didn't want to quit my six-figure position with great benefits at Xerox okay. to go with a company that was not successful themselves. And I said to them, I said, you know what, we'll give it six months, we'll see how it goes. And within six months, I made more money than I made an entire year at Xerox, so my choice was made, so then I went into franchise development, franchise consulting, franchise sales, and then I transitioned shortly after that into selling, fixing, growing, and buying companies. Yeah, and and what I like about one of your, I guess, underlying, what I call, like, foundations is that you really are about building relationships with the people you do business with, and that you view them as lifelong relationships. It's not just making a sale. It's, it's really build, making a relationship. And so it's, it's like the psychology of buying and selling uh, that you really care and you're committed to helping a business get to a place to sell for a profit. So can you talk to us about, about that, how you even develop this perspective? Well, you know, I've always looked at my clients as my friends because, when you really dive in and peel back all the layers of the onion to determine what a business is worth, you're really getting pretty intimate, <laughs> and you're really finding out the good, the bad, the ugly about their business, rather I'm selling it, buying it, or fixing it, or growing it. And so that really, you know, in order for someone to trust me and turn over all of their financial information and give me all of all of their company proprietary information, they have to like me, trust me, and respect me. And, you know, you really have to build rapport with your clients in order to gain that trust. And then along the way, we just all really become very good friends. And most of my clients are my friends. I've been to their weddings. I've been to their, um, their, their baby deliveries. I've been to their hospital bed. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a family to me. It's not a client. It's, it becomes a friend and then a family member. I think that's beautiful in such a different way than when I think of business, you know, it's such a different way to work. Right, and it's, it's a different way to work, and it's a more pleasurable way to work because, you know, when you really like somebody and you enjoy their company and you have fun with them, then it doesn't really seem like work. Yeah. And I always look at it as I'm not really selling their business. I'm helping them obtain the highest price possible so that they can finally afford the lifestyle they've always dreamed of and deserve. Yeah. And you talk in your book about different types of buyers. And so do you, I imagine you help, you know, pair the buyer with the seller so that's a good fit. And, yeah, and I, I absolutely I absolutely do because, you know, 95% of buyers won't buy the business they called in on. So I always teach my agents and my partners that if you don't do a good job interviewing that buyer and knowing what that buyer really wants, what their passion is, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and most importantly, what is their why. 
you know, and why do they want to own a business in the first place? Because that why has to be so powerful enough that it's going to keep them in the game. It's going to drown out all the negative voices and hearsay that, 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 you know, they encounter throughout the process. And it's going to keep them motivated and keep them disciplined and keep them in the game. So the why has to be very strong enough to help them pull the trigger. Otherwise, they'll never move forward with business ownership. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering about the process and how many calls do you even get in a week to, um, to buyers and sellers? To sell or to buy? <laughs> both. Both ends. I'm just wondering, like, uh, how, how many? We, we get quite a few. I mean, in any given month, we'll get anywhere from 50 to 100 seller leads. And then we'll get anywhere from, I would say, 100 to 200 buyer leads. And then we also get leads about people who want to fix their business and people who want to grow their business. And we get a lot of leads with people who have startups or new ideas or new concepts that they want assist with or they want to raise capital for. So we're really like the little mini shark tank over here uh, because we hear probably more deals than they hear on a shark tank. I mean, it's just it's yeah. pretty busy, you know, because we don't just buy and sell. We also specialize in fixing and growing a company, especially because eight out of ten businesses will not sell and they certainly will not sell for the price tag that the owner needs to enter the next phase of their life. Yeah, I noticed how your services are beyond just buying and helping people to buy a business or sell the one they currently own, that, that people contact you to evaluate their business and you do consulting to make it more profitable as well. Right, right. Yeah, you know, and... I, my consulting is different than your typical consultant because I don't really, I don't really call myself a consultant. Um, what I do is, is I partner with business owners. So if I, if if a company, and, and this just happened to me, I can give you a story if you like. Yeah, please. All right. So I had a, a graphics company call me about two years ago, and they wanted to sell their business, and um, the gentleman was pretty distraught actually when he called. It was about a 10-minute phone conversation. It was him and his wife working out of their house, spending about 14 hours a day. Okay. About to get a divorce because of the pressure, because of the tension, because of the stress working together. And then they had one employee that was working with them, and they made the fatal mistake of telling that employee that they're going to sell their business and or close their business down. So that one employee went and obtained employment somewhere else. And so they were going to be left with no employees, and it was a graphics company specializing in graphics for first responders, so your ambulances, fire trucks, police mm-hmm. cars, etc. And he said something to me that just really got my interest, and the thing that really got my interest is he said, Michelle, I don't have the business acumen to go this company to the next level, and we're turning down about 6,000 clients a year. 6,000 clients a year, and I went ding, ding, ding. (laughs) And um, so he had a good good product, and he had good clients, and he had something that was in demand. What he didn't have was people. And if I would have sold his business, his business wouldn't have been sellable anyway because by the time you pulled him out of the business, there's nothing to sell. And Mm -hmm. him and his wife are are still young, and, you know, they would have to go to work for somebody else after being self-employed for 25 years. So what I did is I said, we're not going to sell your business. We're actually going to grow your business. I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to put 
up my money, so I put up a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. I bought another partner that also put up money, and we took them out of their house. They were operating their house. We leased a 6,000-square-foot building. We hired 18 people. We leased new equipment, um, new vehicles, et cetera, and we helped grow their company, and we're on the track to create a $100 million company. And this came from one person who called me about selling their business because when you're, you know, when you're in your fog, it's foggy and it's hard to read a label from the inside of a bottle. So yes. sometimes you just need an outsider's perspective to, to tell you what the problems are and, and, and help you find the solutions. What a beautiful story. Thank you. And that's, you know, that's, that's what's so great about what we do. We don't just sell businesses. We help save. We, and by the way, we saved that employee, too. We had to offer him more money, but we got him back. <laughs> oh, wow. Like saving lives, saving people's livelihoods, which relate yeah, to how we take know. care of ourselves. Yeah, like we save, you know, I feel like we saved the marriage. I feel like we created new jobs. I feel like we saved the one employee, and, and um, we helped put money back into the economy. So that's, that's what's great about what we do. It's not just about selling a business. It's about doing what's right for the client and what's in the client's best interest. So thinking of the client's best interest, you talk in your book about uh, top mistakes that sellers make when selling their business. And, and I know that disclosing that you're selling your business is one of them. Can you talk to us about what not to do if someone is looking to sell their business? What not to do? Yes. Um, the biggest, some of the biggest mistakes that sellers make is first and foremost, they wait too long. Mm. The biggest mistake is when you start your business or buy a business, you need to actually plan your exit strategy. You need to start from the beginning. You need to plan your end game, and you need to determine what your desired sales price is going to be when you're ready to sell. And nobody does that, and that's a big mistake because sellers typically don't think about selling their business until they have to due to a catastrophic event occurring or they're burned out or the business is not doing well, and that's the worst time to sell. The best time to sell is when your business is doing well. So I always tell my clients, when you go into business, what is your desired outcome? You know, you need to think about this business and say, okay, I want to sell my business for $10 million. What does a $10 million business look like? Yeah. What's the characteristics of a $10 million business? What do the numbers have to look like? How many people do I have to have? How many clients do I have to have? How many congruent revenue streams do I have to have? And you need to build what a $10 million business looks like, and then you need to have a time frame to get to that $10 million sales price. How long do you typically work with a client on this path? You know, it just really depends. I mean, it's all over the place. It just really depends upon how how clean the business is uh, and or how much work a business needs. You know, we have one client that we're working with, we've been working with for over a year, just on doing the evaluation. We're not done doing the evaluation. So it just really depends. I mean, the average time it takes to sell a business in the U.S. is about a year. We're okay. quicker than most, and the reason we're quicker than most is because we have over 15,000 buyers. And the last business we sold for $18 million in Houston, we sold that in 60 days. That's great. And right before that, we sold a $15 million company in six months. So we typically can sell businesses faster than anyone else in the United States because we have more buyers than anyone else in the United States. And we're also doing business in Canada, Trinidad, Colombia, all over the place. Internationally. Absolutely. 
And and you mentioned something important, I think, that businesses being, you know, prepared, that I think that would really influence the time frame. Like, how are their financials? Have they been have they been reporting all their income? Can they justify they make this money that they want to sell it for? And I imagine that could be quite a bit of work for companies that maybe haven't done that so well. Well, it is, and that's why companies need to they they need to, you know, seek expert advice beforehand and and not wait till they're trying to sell and i call it the 6p method anytime i go in and evaluate a business i always look at what i call the 6p's and i call it operating on all six cylinders and most companies don't operate on all six cylinders and the 6p's is, is number one people if you don't have people in your business you don't have a business the graphics company that I was telling you about was husband, wife, and one employee. Yeah. So they had no people. The second P is product. They had a great product. They didn't have people, but they had a great product that serviced a niche that was in high, high, high demand. The third P is process. They had no process. They had no people. They had no process. They had a product. The, the fourth P is proprietary. You know, do you have any trademarks, patents, contracts, um, your intellectual property? Because you will get a much higher sales price, a much higher multiple, if you have proprietary systems, protocols, procedures, trademarks, you know, et cetera. And databases, you know, Lisa, databases are much overlooked. I mean, it's why Facebook paid billions for WhatsApp. WhatsApp wasn't making any money, but they had a huge database that Facebook knew they could monetize on. And then the next P is patrons. That means you have a healthy client base. You shouldn't have all of your clients tied up. I mean, all of your revenues tied up in, in, you know, five or six clients. You need to have a well-diversified, healthy client base. And then the last P is profits. I mean, I see companies out there grossing twenty, thirty, forty, fifty million dollars, and they're not making any money because they're upside down in overhead. Ah, uh, okay. So you help them with all of that when they contact you and reach out to you. I do. I, I evaluate the six P's and see which ones are strong in and which ones they need the most help in, and then obviously we focus on the areas that they need the most help. Do you experience much resistance from from clients when you present them with these things? I'm wondering. You know, um, yes, some some more than others. You know, some clients are very coachable. Some clients, I'm sure, you experience the same thing with some of your clients that, that you provide your services for. Some are very coachable. Some listen, and and some will implement. And then you have others that just want to fight you every step of the way. And those those are the clients that I typically won't continue to work with. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And that that question popped in my mind as you went through all the the P's that you know we get used as people to doing things our way, and um, psychologically, you know, that feels safe, it feels secure, and for someone to come in. And and say you need to you know do this this and that. I think our our typical first response could be resistance because the fear might be greater than um, you know the desire to change. I see that in in my clients and I see it in myself. You know, and and I don't right. like to change or be you know be told that what I'm doing isn't helpful or doesn't feel right. So I just think, wow, you're dealing with significant amounts of money and and telling people what they need to do to be profitable. And I just wondered, you know, how many might embrace it versus struggle 
And if you can really bring them well, around, I imagine you bring a lot of those clients around. I do, and, and you're right. Most people are resistant to change. Um, however, you know, most clients who call me are wanting some type of change. They Absolutely. know they're stuck. They know that they're the bottleneck, and they know that they're not going to grow without change. So I always tell my clients, you know, get, get comfortable with being uncomfortable because when you're uncomfortable, that's when you grow. And the other thing is I always tell my clients, if your business is at $1 million right now, and you want to go your business to $10 million, well, the $1 million mindset, the way that you're doing things now for a $1 million company is not the way you're going to do things for a $10 million company or a $50 million company or a $100 million company. You're going to have to grow your mindset. And, and that's my biggest struggle with some of the clients I partner with is we'll make a lot of changes in the company, and the company will start to flourish, but then the, then the, the, the business owner will, will do something crazy and then stop the growth of the company because they're getting uncomfortable with how fast the company is growing, and that's when I have to take a step back and work on their psychology, yes. and I have to work on their, their internal thermostat so I can get them comfortable with a bigger, you know, with a much bigger company than where they are now. And that is so interesting to me because it directly relates to the work that I do with individuals that, you know, people come in, we want change, I want change, even it's not just clients, it's myself as well. And when the change starts happening, when your dreams start coming true, it's remarkable, this like resistance, almost like, ah, like putting the brakes on, sabotaging in some ways, you know, because it's almost like we can't handle the positivity coming into our lives. And, and so I hear that you're seeing that too, as you're coaching your clients and they're, the expansion is happening, the money is coming in and it's almost like we don't have a big enough container within ourselves, you know, to, to go yeah. with that flow. Yeah, they get, they don't, exactly. And, and it's because they haven't worked enough on their own internal mindset, their own financial thermostat. And when, when they don't grow themselves, and grow the internal thermostat in their mindset, then once you experience growth, they'll start to do something to self-sabotage. Yeah, and that's when I have to ring it back in. What's that? Yes. I'm curious, how did, you, how did you conquer this in your own life as you went from being with Xerox to your own expansion exponentially and growth? Work with your own mindset. You know, that's a good question because I'm better on other people than I'm probably on myself. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're prolific. Your work and everything, you you speak internationally, you're in Vegas, you're with, you know, some of the brightest minds in the world. Like, how have you allowed this and and to, to, you know, happen in your own life? Yeah, you know, it's funny because there's there's things that I've done in my life. Like I remember the first time I spoke on stage in front of 800 people. Oh, my gosh, I thought I was going to pass out. (laughs) I literally was so sick to my stomach and psyching myself out. and, And I told my mentor at the time, I said, you know, his name is Mike. I said, Mike, I can't do this. I can't do this. There's no way I can go up there. And he goes, Michelle, if you don't go up there and speak, I swear to God, I'm going to pull you up by your hair. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I said, I can't do it. What if I pass out? He goes, Michelle, you know what I would say? I would say, please pass out, please pass out, please pass out so I can give you CPR. 
So anyway, I went up there, I spoke on stage, and it was amazing, and I got a standing ovation, and people came up to me afterwards, and that, re- that moment taught me a lot. That moment taught me that just because I'm uncomfortable, just because I'm afraid, just because I'm you know, scared to death to take that next step, just go with it, use it as your edge. Always know that this moment, too, will pass. This, too, shall pass is what I always say to myself. And know that on the other side of it, you're going to be stronger, you're going to be better, and and you're going to do great, and you will grow. That's why I always say get comfortable with being uncomfortable because when you're uncomfortable is when you grow. Yes. So you had to reaffirm yourself and encourage yourself is what I hear on your own path. Yeah, and and I do it all the time. I mean, you know, some, I get outside of my comfort level all the time. You know, I might be working on a $500 million company, and I'm outside my comfort level, but I say to myself, you got, yes, you're uncomfortable. Yes, it's painful. Yes, you're yeah. scared, but this too shall pass, and just carry on and, and move past your fear, and you will be glad that you did. Because, again, by pushing yourself is how you grow. Otherwise, you just stay status pro. You know, what you're saying, I I listened to an interview with David Bowie that a friend sent me last week, and he was saying the same thing. And the analogy of a swimming pool in water, he said he believes in pushing yourself, like you feel the bottom of the swimming pool, but you you wade out a little more until you really can't feel the bottom, and you start to feel... You know, some panic, but keeping your career, keeping yourself on that line where you're not too comfortable, you know, like like where you're really on that edge that I hear you speaking about. Right. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I mean, I always try to push myself. I try to push my clients and, and grow myself and grow my clients. Like I said, the company will only get as big as the owner is, is able to expand themselves and grow uh-huh. themselves. And the other thing I always tell myself and my clients is stay calm, stay calm, stay calm. Because the worst thing you can do is freak out. (laughs) I had a a partner come in my office this morning from Canada, and she wants me to partner with her, and she just had an emotional breakdown. And I said to her, I said, you have to stay calm. If you're going to get this rattled, then maybe you shouldn't be in business. Business is not the place for you because business is like a landmine. There's, there's, you know, there's things everywhere that's going to blow up at any second. Mm. What did she say as you were telling her that? She was taking deep breaths. <laughs> <laughs> it helps. It, yeah. yeah. And that's I what know. I always say, stay calm. Stay calm. And, I know. and this too shall pass. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes, no, it's okay. I don't, I don't want to interrupt you. Um, I know you and I met earlier this year, and, and we met, and I've been expanding my business in psychotherapy to the West Coast from New Orleans, and um, it's been two years of a process, and I, you know, I've never in my life felt so stressed out and overwhelmed almost constantly, like riding that edge of, of what I can tolerate, and I think it's, it's helped me a lot in my work with clients because... Like from experience, I really know the experience of pushing myself beyond my comfort limit and staying there. Sometimes I I think I might push a little too far. My personal relationships suffer, but I'm hoping to, you know, bring some balance 
is there, you know, like for us to have balance in this process, is there a way that you have, you know, that you do that? I know you have your beautiful daughter, Arabella, and mm-hmm. your husband. Like, how, how do you balance your life? You know, I tell you, it, it's, I would love to give you a great secret recipe that I have. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a juggling act. I mean, honestly, it's a juggling act. And, you know, I, I enjoy my time with my daughter. That's probably when I'm the most happy is, is when yeah. I'm with my daughter. So I do travel a lot. Um, I, you know, I try to, when I'm home, I try to spend uninterrupted time with her. I turn off my cell phone. I turn off the TV. I turn off email, you know, and I do whatever she wants to do, whether that's playing games or going somewhere. So I just try to, to schedule uninterrupted time with her and spend as much time with her as I possibly can. And then same thing with my husband, you know, it's a balancing act and you just gotta, you just gotta figure it out and do it the best that you can. I, I'm, I'm pretty lucky because I have a pretty good support team. I mean, my husband's supportive yeah. and he's very helpful with my daughter. It would be, you know, difficult if he wasn't. Right. But you just gotta be able to, to balance and try to schedule time for everybody in your life. Including yourself, most importantly yourself, because if you're not good to yourself, you're not going to be good to anyone else. Yes. I hear you talking about taking others and yourself into consideration as well as the business. So giving, giving time for your loved ones, you know, and not just giving it all to the business and you give your loved ones the crappiest part of yourself, which I know it's been hard for me to balance. It's hard for somebody like me because I am, I think I'm just, I'm just naturally a workaholic. Yeah. And I can work all the time, every day, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. That's just how I'm built. But I have to stop and think about other people in my life. And I chose them. They chose me. And they, too, deserve a front row seat in my life just like my business does. Yes, I'm definitely learning that right now myself because I could work all the time as well and neglect and be really um, unconscious of, of others, and I don't want to be that way. So, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I also bring myself back to reality by telling myself, gosh, Michelle, what would you be emotionally if you didn't have them in your life? And if, if you don't make time for them, that's where you could end up. And it would be far worse than where you are now. So you better take that into consideration and do something about it. Yes. And you have. And you do. Ongoingly. Yes. Yes. But I have to remind myself, you know. It's <laughs> you know, every day I have to remind myself, you know. Yeah. So can you talk to us about your public speaking? Because you've spoken with some amazing, amazing uh, minds. And, and how much, like, what portion of your time do you do, wor- do workshops and speak versus working with clients directly? Sure. Well, you know, I don't do any workshops. Um, I've thought about doing workshops, but I don't do any currently. Um, mostly I'm asked to speak on other people's stage or I'm asked to mm-hmm. be a keynote speaker um, at a part, you know, a lot of different associations like property management, real estate, manufacturing, distribution. They'll have me come be a keynote speaker on their stage or I've been asked to go to other people's conferences and speak on their stage. And that's fun. You know, that's exciting. I love to speak. And that's yes. what I always encourage everyone to do and all your listeners is you got to figure out what it is 
that really, what do you like? Like, what really makes you smile? What really makes you happy? Because a lot of times we get so caught up in the minutia, we forget what is it that makes us happy. Mm-hmm. And I love speaking. That makes me happy. I would do it more if I could. But, again, I have, I have a child at home, so I can only be away so much and, and be able to give her a good quality life as well. Yeah. Definitely. So you have a second book. Also, I know right now we're talking predominantly about sell your business for more than it's worth. What about your your other book, Think and Grow Rich Today? Can you talk to us about that? Sure. So Think and Grow Rich Today is, is I did not write the whole book. Um, that's by Napoleon Hill Foundation. Yeah. I contributed a chapter, and that's I'm awesome. trying to remember what the chapter name was. <laughs> I think it's called Seven the seven steps to acquiring wealth and diversification. But I wrote that chapter um, a few years ago, and that book has done really well, too. And there's some great authors in that book, along with myself. And um, it's been great. And, you know, we're very excited that we're actually taking Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth, making some tweaks to it, adding some content to it, and working to get it on a New York's bestsellers list. Oh, that's excellent. Well, it's already a bestseller on Amazon.com. Yeah, so we want to go New York's bestsellers list. We want to push ourselves. (laughs) You know, what I really liked about this book is being a person that does not buy and sell businesses, being a real novice, that it's laid out so well and and written in a language that anyone at any level can understand. You know, it got me thinking of my business as a solo practitioner, you know, how to, how to really be mindful of keeping track of my financials. And, and so I think it's, it's just, I was kind of intimidated to read a book like this at first since it's not in my wheelhouse, but it's really Uh broken down in a way that stays engaging. You know, you talk about really basic things, like if you have a store to keep things clean, keep products stocked, you know, and things that I notice. If I go in a store that's dusty without product on the shelves, I wonder, like, I don't want to buy food there for sure because, you know, maybe no one's bought anything in 10 years. So you start from the basics to more advanced principles in this book and for businesses of all types. Thank you. Well, you know, it's I wrote that book by myself. You know, a lot of a lot of people will hire ghostwriters, and and I didn't. I actually typed every single word that you see in that yeah, book. It sounds like your voice, and, knowing you. Yes, yes. Yeah, and that's what everybody says. They're like Michelle, it sounds like you're on my shoulder telling me what to do. It does. <laughs> you know? It really does. And I wanted to create just an easy step by step blueprint that anyone could understand and comprehend and relate to because there's other books out there that are too complex yes. and most people can't understand them and it just doesn't make sense. I just wanted something simple that people could follow and learn from. And comprehensive as well. Right. So, right. you know, can we talk about different industries and do you have a sure. favorite industry to work with or what are some hot industries now? Um, and that's, I know, something you look at when someone approaches you about about selling their business. I always say that my favorite industry is the one with the highest cash flow. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. And 
And the reason for that is because buyers are not industry-specific industry anymore like they once were. Mm. Buyers are more cash flow-specific than they are industry-specific, and they want to buy a certain cash flow. Like I mentioned earlier, we have 15,000 buyers, and there's five types of buyers. Most of the buyers I work with, which are private equity buyers, strategic buyers, and um, sophisticated buyers, prefer high cash flow, high EBITDA type businesses. So that's what we typically like. Some of the industries we've been selling quite a bit of is manufacturing, uh, distribution, some construction. We've sold some healthcare service businesses lately, staffing, collections. Um, the, the, we, we ran a, a streak in selling oil manufacturing businesses as well right when the oil bus started. So we saw one company that I mentioned a minute ago for $18 million and another one for $15 million in the oil manufacturing industry. Very cool. You know, you just mentioned and different... Go on, go on, and then I'll ask you the question. I was just going to say, again, we're not industry-specific. I mean, we're, we're working with a mining company. We're working with a caviar manufacturing company. Wow. We're working with a, a huge um, scrapyard. I mean... You name it, we can sell it. You know, again, we're not we're not industry specific. We're more cash flow specific. Cash flow specific. So, therefore, do you educate yourself on the industry when when you take on a client, say, the caviar business? You know, I do. I do. I wow. absolutely How do. Fun. I mean. I'm somewhat of a caviar connoisseur anyway, so <laughs> I know Caviar and champagne, yes. <laughs> That's right, certainly yeah, champagne. <laughs> yeah, yes. But, um, yeah, so of course I educate myself on the industry, and I want to know everything about that particular industry, and, you know, so we can determine who's going to be the best buyer, who's going to be the right fit for that particular company. How exciting your work is. I mean, I, I never thought of it, you know, working that you have to research caviar and that's part of your work, something you already love and just the various industries. How exciting and diverse. Yeah, it is very exciting. You know, what? the reason I've stayed in this industry for so long is because I typically get bored easily, <laughs> so, you okay. know, and that's why I like entrepreneurship in the first, the first reason is because... I've done a lot of things. I've owned publishing companies. I've owned medical companies. I've owned graphic companies. I've owned software companies. And what I like about doing this is one day I'm selling an oil manufacturing plant, while the next day I'm selling a scrapyard, the next day I'm selling caviar manufacturing. So every day is different. Every deal is different. Every seller and buyer are different. So I, I never get bored in doing this. And we love working with buyers, too. You know, we haven't talked much about buyers. I mean, we're coming out with a book called Quit Your Job, Buy a Business. And we love working with buyers, too, because especially first-time buyers. I mean, 95% of buyers are first-time buyers, and we're helping them quit their job. We're helping them obtain a better quality of life, um, afford financial freedom. And that's quite rewarding as well to help somebody buy a business for the first time in their lives. Well, you a few moments ago, you are talking about sophisticated buyers, strategic buyers, and I wondered if we could talk a, a bit about the different types of buyers that you've identified. Sure. So 95% of buyers are first-time buyers. These are buyers who have worked in corporate America or worked for small business owners all of their lives, and 
they really want to become a business owner. So those are first-time buyers. First-time buyers are a little bit more difficult to deal with from, you know, from a planning phase and, and knowing exactly what it is that they're wanting to buy and helping them to pull the trigger. Um, and then we also work with, and, and what I, my firm works with first-time buyers, but I'm personally typically only sell businesses $10 million and up. So right. I'm working with more strategic buyers, sophisticated buyers, and private equity buyers. Strategic buyers are either a competitive buyer or a buyer that's in a similar industry, that but they different, just, and they're buying yeah. that business, right? They're buying that business because they want that client base or they want congruent revenue streams, or they might be buying the company because they like the talent that the other company has. Mm. And then we have private equity buyers. These are these are large buyers that typically will only buy businesses with an EBITDA of three million dollars and up. Okay, they and they have more disposable income, I imagine, as well. They do. So, and they funding do. They available. typically have money burning a hole in their pocket that they need to get rid of. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> you know, and that you bought that you fun. own so many businesses as well. I mean, it sounds like you've just really learned to do this well. Yeah, you know, it's it's like I said, I, I do what's best for the client, and that's either selling their business now or partnering with them, putting up my own money to help them grow their business so that they can sell for their desired price tag to one of our existing businesses, by the way. So we really have two models. We have the sell-and-go model or the build-to-sell model. Okay. Tell us about those two models. So sell and go, I mean, it's, you know, somebody comes to me and wants to sell their business for $10 million and their business is worth $10 million and we'll sell it for them. If they want to sell their business for $20 million and it's worth $10 million, then we'll partner with them and put up the expertise, the working capital if need be, and whatever other resources they need in which to fix their business so it's operating on all six Ps, all six cylinders, and then we'll help them grow their national footprint and or international footprint. And That's then we'll great. build to sell to one of our existing buyers, you know, because like I said, we have over 15,000 buyers. We'll build to sell to one of our existing buyers as well who's willing to pay them top dollar. On average, we're able to get our clients a six, anywhere between a 20 to 60% higher selling price than what the business appraises for. That's and what we're you're able known for. to do that. Yeah. Yeah, we're able to do that because we create a bidding war, basically. I mean, on that $18 million company that I told you about in Houston, it appraised for $8.7 million. We had over 550 buyers looking at one business, and we had several LOIs on it. We got our LOI from $7.5 million all the way up to $18 million. Wow. Wow. So we're able to create bidding wars, and and we close ninety nine percent of everything we write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew that as well. Did you ever think you would end up here? You know, looking back when you were at Xerox and and just growing up, I know you wanted to write a book since you were ten. You told your mom, I believe, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Did you ever think you'd end up here? No, I didn't. I've always I always wanted to be a writer. I mean, when little girls were playing with their dolls. I was walking around with a notebook and a pen in my hand asking everybody a million questions. And my mom <laughs> thought I was going to be the next Barbara Walters. Yes. And um, and no, I'm not the next Barbara Walters. I'm, I'm a mergers and acquisitions. Mastery and immediary is my title. 
But guess what I do? I walk around with the iPad and I ask everybody a million questions. <laughs> and, I just and use you, the answers to sell their company. Yeah, and you mentor them too with the psychological piece of this. Well, you know, I always say, Lisa, that it's 80% psychology, 20% knowledge mm-hmm. and expertise. It's 80% psychology. You get your that head in the game. Yeah. And I always say, change your words, change your life. Yeah. change your outlook, change your direction, and it's 80% psychology. Most people are stuck because they're using the wrong language. Mm. So yeah. change your words, change your life. With mm-hmm. themselves, typically, do you find the wrong language? Well, with themselves especially. I mean, I hear people all the time, you know, saying negative things that, you know, crazy things like, oh, my business will never be this, or, oh, I can never do that, and, you know, I just try to work with my clients to change their language because if you say you'll never do it, guess what? You'll never do it. Right. If you say right. you'll never make $100 million, guess what? You'll never make $100 million. It's not about the money. You know, people can be happy making 50000 a year. It's not about the yeah. money. It's about the mindset and it's about what makes you happy and what you're comfortable with and what you like to do. Exactly. So... I like to ask all my guests what they want to leave, you know, kind of what you'd like to leave the world in whatever way this question resonates with you. And I'm curious, what, did it, what is it, Michelle, that, that you would like to leave and be known for or that's most meaningful for you? Um, what's most meaningful for me is, is to, help, to help shape lives and help shape businesses and, and, and help create um, jobs and help pour money back in the economy. One of the biggest things that's the most important thing to me is we're starting a um, nonprofit organization, and I'm actually working with Frank Shankowitz, who is founder of Make a Wish Foundation, and we're going to start an organization called Tucker Teens and Tots. And Ooh, Tucker wow. Teens and Tots will be teaching entrepreneurial lessons and 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 placement in businesses. For, for as many abused and neglected children as we possibly can. This is amazing news. Wow. That is something to leave. Yep. So that's what I want to be known for. I want to be known for helping as many, as many business owners, but especially as many abused and neglected children and teenagers as possible, teaching them real-life entrepreneurial skills and placing them into my businesses and businesses that we sell and help buy. That's beautiful. Is that up and running yet? Is there a website that you can give for for that, or is it still in the works? No, it's still in the works. Um, I just met with Frank Shankowitz. He's going to be on the board of my board of directors with me, and we're still putting together our board, and we're still getting everything up and running. Um, but you know, I, I would say give us about six months to a year, and we'll have it all up and running. And so you can be reached at michelletuckerinternational.com. Is that correct? That's right, michelletuckerinternational.com. They can also go to silertucker.com, which is silertucker.com. S-E-I-L-E-R. Is it hyphen or just silertucker.com? It's silertucker, no hyphen. No hyphen. And then the other thing, too, Lisa, I'd like to offer is anybody who wants to know what their business is worth, yeah. they can go to my website, betterbusinessbrokers.com, 
betterbusinessbrokers.com, and they can fill out a free online evaluation, and they can also download a free ebook of Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for letting that be known. You're welcome. You know, in hearing all that you do to help your clients personally and professionally and then this amazing nonprofit that will be, you know, out in the world working with abused kids and teens, you're, I know you're an Aquarius, correct? Astrologically? I am. Uh, 6th, is it? I am, February 6th. Do not tell the age. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not. (laughs) Beautiful. Yes, February 6th. And, you know, so as an Aquarius, you are known, it is your deepest desire to be humanitarian and to be inventive and original. And you are just living that out in every way. It's amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. And independent Aquariuses are typically, you know, live very independently and just you want to make a difference. And and you are. Yes, I I do. And I am. And, you know, like I said earlier, you always... You should always stop for a minute and self-reflect and and ask yourself, what makes me the most happy? Mm -hmm. And what makes me the most happy is is helping others, whether that's through my speaking or my mentoring or my, you know, helping business owners save their company. That's what makes me the most happy. And, you know, one thing that we didn't talk about, it's it's really sad that 8 out of 10 businesses won't sell and that leaves our baby boomers, millions of baby boomers, forced with having to sell their business for pennies on the dollar or close their doors, even worse, file bankruptcy and lose their family, home, and everything they've worked so hard for. And that's another passion of mine is trying to help as many of those baby boomers as I possibly can save their business. That is an important piece that you address, too, in your book. Yes. Well, I'd like to have you back on again. Definitely talk about the nonprofit and even this this other issue that we didn't get to. So... Let's be in touch about it. I would love to come back on. Thank you for having me. You did an amazing job. (laughs) Thank you, Michelle. I just love you, and I look forward to seeing you when I'm back in New Orleans next week. Yes, you better call me. (laughs) I will. Have a great day, and thank you you again. You're welcome. You as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Do I hang up? Yes, you can just hang up. That concludes our show for today. Thank you for listening and join me next week as I have Rachel Collier on the show. She is a Reiki master who is also an artist and from New Orleans and has moved out to Los Angeles and opened a business called Way Chill LLC. Join me next week at the same time and thank you. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio.